Welcome to Joy Field and Jesus Led. I'm your host, Tony Daniel, sharing real life stories and practical tools that not only let you know you're not alone, but also help you become the emotional, spiritual ninja warrior you were created to be. In this episode, Hillary and I share our story of how God drew us into a mother-daughter relationship that has changed our lives and our family's lives forever. There are countless ways God calls us to provide for each other's needs through spiritual adoption, whether it may be as a stand-in, a supplemental, or a replacement family member. That's how the family of God becomes mature and complete, one adoption at a time, as Jesus leads. However, while spiritual adoption is a crucial part of God's heart, it is not something we rush into because we want to help and love others. Dr. Wilder and other authors share more on this in the life model, Living from the Heart Jesus Gave You, including the problems you can anticipate, principles to follow, and red flags to watch out for. Their wisdom on this matter has been essential for my family as we navigate following Jesus into these adoptions. Hope you enjoy. Hi there. So this is Tony, and I'm here with Hillary Klein, who is a very special person in my life, who I've come to know as daughter. And today on our podcast, we want to unpack that just a little bit around <laughs> what that relationship, how it formed, and what it's like. And we won't uh, say everything definitively about spiritual adoption in this 25-minute <laughs> conversation or so, but um, just hopefully share a little bit for those who are interested. So, Hillary, I'm going to pass the ball to you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and where you want to start with this conversation. Oh, goodness. I get to pick where we start. <laughs> I'm Hillary, obviously. I'm currently in Baltimore in Maryland, and... I first met Tony in Uruguay when I was a missionary. So um, the my missions team that I was with um, met Matt and Tony uh, at a function or something, I'm not sure. And they had been seeing them off and on and they've been going, going to their house and having dinner and just, you know, becoming friends with fellow missionaries in, in the area even though it wasn't technically in the area, but in the area. <laughs> and they kept coming back and they were saying, yeah, um, they're interesting. You know, they're, they're, they're good, I, I think. Um, there was some hesitation, some confusion, uh, and that just sparked my curiosity. Um, <laughs> one, why haven't I been invited yet? <laughs> and two, what is it about them that... Uh, that my team members have no idea how to describe it. Um, yeah, yeah, it was wow. very curious. So I'm just wondering, looking back now that you know us, what do you think it was about us that was hard to describe? <laughs> what made us so unique or uncomfortable to be around for them? <laughs> oh man, probably because you were in touch with your emotions. Um, or beginning to be in touch with your emotions. I don't know where you guys were, but, um, and probably the way you parented was, was different than the way they were used to or what they've seen. Um, probably your view on ministry 
and outreach and how you've been connected, but also the fact that you were there in that country for 16 years already, which was like a major thing because if you've, if you've listened to Tony's previous podcast, Uruguay's been known to be the uh, graveyard of missionaries, meaning they, they go and then they don't stay. <laughs> so... Thanks. Thank yeah. you. So, so you're hearing these strange rumors about this weird missionary family. Not even sure they're biblical, but they're they're but there's something drawing people to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously it was mentioned. Oh, she has dreads too. Oh, that's right. For those of you who don't know me, I have dreads, dreadlocks. Um, so, and this was probably what, eight years ago, maybe now. I think so. Yeah. Close to eight years ago. So there we were eight years ago in Uruguay. At the time, I think I had maybe a maybe a 12 year old, a two year old and a one year old possibly, or maybe they were two and three and 12, maybe something like that. So um, it was a yeah, unique moment in our life as well. And, um, and so how did you end up coming to our house? What did you do? So I have no idea how I actually did this, but somehow I got in touch with, I think Tony and I invited myself over for dinner, <laughs> probably with the phrase, I don't normally do this because I don't, <laughs> I don't like invading. I don't like I don't like it <laughs> at all. Um, but I invited myself over for dinner and probably asked what I should bring, or she just told me what I should bring. And we, uh, we scheduled a, a taco dinner night. Yeah. Yeah. It was fascinating and beautiful at the same time. I love people that take the initiative. So it was great. <laughs> so you ended up at dinner at our house. We're sitting around the dinner table and yes, we had met Luke. We had met John White, probably almost a year before we met you. And so we had been practicing checking in and listening around our dinner, every dinner table, every night, even with a two and three-year-old. And, um, and that was just part of what we did as family every single night at dinner. So there you are at dinner and we invited you if you wanted to participate in our family time and you were like, sure, why not? And yeah, yeah. And I'm going to tell what I remember. And then Tony's going to tell what she remembers because I learned what she remembers like two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> and it, it blew my mind. I don't know what to do with it yet. But um, so we, we probably finished eating and we were just sitting around the table talking. Um, Matt introduced it. The kids probably told me a little bit about it. And then we started, everybody started checking in, which is listing off the emotions that you're feeling and then saying, I'm in. <laughs> um, and then it got to me right after the two or three-year-old went and they checked in perfectly with, you know, <laughs> em emotional words. Uh, you know, they had their, their language. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I probably passed. And then it came back around to me. And I was like, well, I, um, I feel as if I'm surfing, like I'm just about to catch a wave. Uh, like, and then Tony with her wonderful coaching questions, you know, what does that, what does that feel like? Is that nervous? Is that exciting? I was like, yeah, sure. Not really knowing how to say it or really tap into anything. Like, is this a safe place for me to share anything? Can I share things like this? Am I allowed to feel these emotions? I don't know. Um, so I kept giving pictures for my check-in because I had no idea what I was feeling or this is the important part, what I was allowed to feel. Um, so I just, I kept using pictures and Tony kept giving me words. <laughs> wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. And how did that feel for you to just have that experience? 
well, in the moment, it was really uncomfortable because I didn't know if I was going to get it right. I didn't know what the what the right thing to do was because everybody checked in differently. Um, so I was like, I don't. I don't know, like what's what's my role in this? How am I, what am I supposed to do? Um, can I be fully honest? Uh, and then your question was, what was that experience like for you, like as a whole? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, like you went home that night and what are you thinking? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, to be completely honest with you, I, I don't remember. Okay. I probably blocked it out. I could wow. imagine what I, what I felt. Um, but I actually have no memory of that. Okay. Well, and that'll come out why later, probably. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so we, what I experienced um, was this beautiful, gorgeous woman who I've come to call a warrior princess um, at my table. And um, you, when it came your turn, what I remember, and it could be, maybe we talked after the kids left more and this happened. I don't know, but I remember talking to you and, and you saying, you're just starting to cry and saying, you know, this is so hard for me to answer because no one's ever asked me how I felt before. And my mother died when I was 18, 17. How old? Um, 16. 16. And I mean, that hit me, of course, because I didn't know that information. And so just knowing that I was so tender for you. But then for you to say, even when she died, no one asked me how I felt. And, um, oh my goodness, my heart uh, was, was so tender. And I, I just remember thinking in that moment, which I didn't share with anyone at the time, I journaled about it, but just Lord Jesus, if you would let me adopt this child, I would love to have her because she is such an amazingly beautiful woman and really deserves to have a mom. <laughs> and so anyway, that was the beginning for me of paying attention to this relationship, right? And just, just listening to Jesus, not, not acting on anything like that, because with spiritual adoption, I've learned that he moves in uh, my whole family and in the person <laughs> in order to make that happen. But I was, yeah, and sometimes at different times. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I was willing in that moment and let him know that. Um, so fast forward then, I think we had like three months together in that country before Matt and I left. Is that? I think so. Yeah. I think we hung out maybe two or three times. Maybe. I even, I, I even like nannied the kids for a little bit when you guys were gone. Yeah. And I threw you into some ministry things just to see what you were made of. And <laughs> I was incredibly impressed with you, um, your ability to embed in a society, to learn their culture, to conform. Uh, not in a bad way, but in a way that that lets you go uh, native almost um, was amazing. And then, yeah, you, you just you had skills, girl, you had some skills. So again, I was like, man, God, if, if I could work with this woman, like I really want her in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but then here, three months later, we were being ripped out of the country unexpectedly for an um, we had no idea for how long. And it turns out it's been seven years now that we've been gone. <laughs> But um, at the time, I was thinking six months, but I had no idea. So for our own uh, situation, we literally left the country. And that was the hardest. One of the hardest parts was leaving you and going, how is this? How, how am I ever supposed to adopt her if I'm going to leave her? Aww. So that was hard. So we came home to the States in December, end of November. And I don't think it was maybe three weeks before we got a phone call. So I'll let you tell that part. Yeah. yeah. So I called you, I think it was actually a, a Google hangout because we definitely did it or Skype. Actually it was probably yeah. Skype. Um, 
Yeah. So I, I called you and I said, I had to tell them a very hard thing that I was going through. Um, I was getting kicked out of Uruguay as a missionary and I, I was stressed. I didn't know what was happening and I knew I needed somewhere safe to land. And I knew I wasn't going to find that at my childhood home. I knew I wasn't going to find that in the church that sent me to Uruguay. And I knew, um, I knew I couldn't stay in Uruguay and I couldn't, I didn't, I didn't know where, but I knew I needed something healthy. Um, so I was like, well, Matt and Tony are healthy. They actually just moved to the States. Maybe they would take in a fellow, uh, traumatized missionary um and and let me stay with them Mm -hmm. so I I told Matt and Tony I was like hey I fell in love with a Uruguayan and we had sex outside of marriage and I told my missions agency and they gave me 10 days to pack up everything and leave um I don't have anywhere to go can I come to Nashville and stay with you guys for a little bit? Mm. Yeah. And what I remember is the first, um, the first thing that Tony said after all the tears um, and the attuning with me, you know, she asked me how I felt and how, how, how I was, you know, like, how do you, how do you feel? Obviously was not okay. Was teary eyed. And then I think, I think she asked me, you know, like, do you love him? And like, I just said, yes. And she just attuned with me. And again, nobody had asked me, nobody had asked me those questions mm-hmm. specifically. Wow. Wow. And then we said, yes, of course. Oh, can. yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I, again, was hiding that in my heart and going, wow, this is crazy because I left her, but now she's coming back to me. <laughs> And that's weird and, and obviously very difficult traumatizing situation. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. happy about that, but, um, but the fact that you would feel safe with us and reach out to us was very touching and confirming for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so you came, you stayed with us for a few months. I don't even know how many months. I don't even know how many. I've been trying to think of it, but probably, probably six months at least. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know. Anyway, I stayed with you six months. I was going to say, yeah, because I think you helped, you helped take care of Matt until school started in the fall and little Matt and I, um, and in exchange for doing some intensive coaching together. Um, so was able to really, we both did deep dives like three hours a day, um, into maturity work and into trauma recovery and into just being with Jesus and learning to be with him and Um, emotional, um, language too. Emotional health. Yeah. So it was a beautiful six months. And for me, um, in that for me too. <laughs> place and you got to live with the family and everything. And I think, you know, that was definitely where the family started to say, wow, I wonder if God's doing something here as far as a mm-hmm. spiritual adoption goes. I don't know if, if I ever mentioned that to you during those six months, did we talk about spiritual adoption in that time? Um, I think so, but I was very standoffish because I, I was just learning um, life model works, maturity stuff and checking in and listening. And I was like, 
I don't know what that means. That sounds like somebody's just going to ignore me and like just call me something. So I don't know. <laughs> it just wow. sounded like a label. And I was like, mm, yeah. no, thank you. Yeah. But I'll, yeah, I'll be in your family and I'll call Mama and Papa, Mama and Papa and hang with the kids and do movie nights and pizza nights and karaoke. <laughs> That's right. So what happened um, later, and you can you can share as much details or as little details as you want in thinking of our adoption story. So um, so you left, you wanted to finish school. Some other things happened in your life. Maybe some wheels came undone again <laughs> at some point <laughs> and we ended up back together. But you tell as little or as much as you want um, from your perspective of what was the next kind of major step. Yeah. Um, so I left, but retrospect, I shouldn't have left. Um, I left because I felt pressured to leave and that I needed to go back uh, home, whatever that meant. Who? Pennsylvania. Oh, pressure from the, the church that, that sent me. Um, so I did. And it was, it was rough. <laughs> it was pretty bad. Um, it was probably two years that I was there before I went, um, before I decided to take some more college classes and finish my degree. Um, and even, even that was rough because there's a moment when grief happens or when you're, when something big happens in your life and then you're thrown into like normal classes or like back to who you, the people you were around or who you were, you just feel this distinction that something's off or you just don't belong or this just this division like everybody's having fun and doing this and like nobody knows me mm -hmm. like I'm in this area and I could just ignore it all and be whoever but it just felt it felt weird it didn't feel normal I was alone I didn't have any community no one to uh, to check in with um except for when I started working for Luke 10 and I would have like meetings and we'd check in on um, probably Google Hangouts at that time. Um, and that was like my one, my one point because I didn't, I didn't even feel safe going to church. Wow. Wow. So I'm going to just frame this for some people listening. You know, we, we um, living in Uruguay for so long, we didn't necessarily have an institutional church structure because we were trying to be church in a way that would bring relational capacity to um, people who were were not used to going to church were atheists most of them right and agnostics and so we were um, figuring out the the core of being church if we had to sum it down you know we would think it takes at least two people because we're Jesus said we're two or three are gathered I am there so we thought okay so two or three people can be church and if they were church what would that look like and you know, we decided with Luke 10, studying them and, and what Jesus just led us to was, you know, heart to heart connection with each other and heart to heart connection with God, because we're supposed to love the Lord, our God with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. So right out of that, you know, you get this concept of if there were two or three people radically loving each other and radically loving God together and hearing him together, we would have church, we would be the church, right? So mm -hmm. we were living that as family. And when you were with us those six months we were living it every single day and yeah. then we're ripped away kind of left and you're on your own out there in the world and and from what I hear you saying you're like trying to find who who can I be church with like in yeah, the who's safe life. enough 
Yeah, because most people think I'm crazy or they're not going to know how to share their own feelings. And like, can I create this environment with someone else who doesn't know yet? I'm still learning it. And so you were kind of thrown out there and and flailing to some some degree. I have my floaties, though. (laughs) You had some floaties, Um, but you're kind of swimming around going, I need some other people. And you couldn't find those people. Um, And it it did sound like it was a a lonely and difficult uh, time for you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There was a lot of numbing and ignoring, um, not a lot of reflection. Um, and then when you numb and ignore, there's a lot of grief uh, and and pain that comes with it because you're ignoring it. Um, so yeah, and then I I graduated, Tony and Mama, and uh, my aunt and my sister came, and we packed up everything, and I was set to move back to Nashville with my family. Yeah. Yeah. So we wanted you back and you said yes. Um, and how, which was the whole thing in and of itself, but we won't get into the details. But at what point are you thinking, maybe this is my spiritual family. Like maybe I'm really being adopted into this family. Maybe this is a God thing. Yeah. Well, Tony kept calling, kept calling it, um, naming it, you know, you, you are my daughter, or we would check in and just this kind of thing. And she would keep calling it forth, um, in a way that wasn't pushy and in a way that was inviting. Um, I I liked it. I liked being loved by someone (laughs) funny, right? (laughs) Um, but I didn't, I didn't know I could claim it. I didn't know that like it could be the other way. Um, And I don't know if I can define it as a certain moment. Um, But when thinking about my graduation, I definitely wanted you there. And like, I definitely filled you in on all the things people tend to fill their mothers in on. Um, So I was almost putting you in the role before actually calling you it. And then for a while, I would just say mama or mommy (laughs) in Spanish or, or whatever. Um, just, just cute. And be like, Hey mama, just like, (laughs) you know, like joking around, like trying it on, seeing how it, how it sounded. Um, and now, now it's just so weird when I talk to people that like know me from growing up, I have to say adopted mother, because if I say mom, they'll be like, wait, what didn't your mom die? Like, who is that? Or when I say like my little sister, they're like, uh, am I missing something? <laughs> Did your dad get like remarried? Does he have another kid? I'm like, um, no, but she is my little sister. <laughs> so, yeah. So you came to live with us. And for me, that time was, um, was really interesting and crucial, I think, in forging this, um, this adoption, not just with you and I, but with you and the whole family. And um, so I don't know what you might want to share about that time, if anything, but I've got some a few things, but anything you want to share about that, that time of living together, which was another what, maybe six months to a year, I don't remember how long, but yeah, well, up until you sold the house. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because then I moved out into a different house. That's right. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, let's go with your stories and then I'll add in. If okay. All right. All right. Well, I don't want to tell your story, but um, <laughs> I mean, you came and I think we realized the, the years that you had been out was good. I think good. I mean, it was hard. It was terrible. You know, yeah. you, maybe I shouldn't Definitely have needed. 
maybe not, but it was it was needed. It was a kind of finding your own way, figuring out what you had integrated into yourself out of our family and out of our our uh, culture, right? Of being church and being God's people and and being vulnerable emotionally, and so kind of learning what you took with you, and then mm-hmm. what parts of you were still in need of maturing right and mm-hmm. being on your own kind of let those parts uh, emer- uh emerge um out of you and you were able to kind of see wow i've, I've got some work to do <laughs> like, totally i can't do it by myself either. I, don't, I don't know how to really be fully me um you know and learning who you are and all of the things that weren't drawn out from you during your teen years that weren't mm-hmm. even from you during your teen years which were the most important years for a, a, a child to understand their identity, their history, their place yeah. in the big world, their uh, their giftings, their talents, and then how maturity impacts how you live out of those giftings and callings, right? Yeah. And so it seemed like a lot of that was missing in your story. And those two years brought that to light. And I think when you came back, it was, um, you know, we knew what work needed to be done and you were ready to do it. And yes. Um, you were all in. It's like, okay, let's do this. <laughs> and so it was really crazy for me because here I was parenting, um, uh, you know, uh, in, a, in a way that you were like, you were a teenager. Like I was were, probably 27. But yeah, you were 27. For the audience. <laughs> You're 27, but I'm parenting you like a teenager, which was really awkward. Really uncomfortable sometimes. <laughs> I mean, literally, there were times where it's like, okay, you can't sleep out, you can't go out after work, you have to come home, you have to be, you have a curfew. Like we had some pretty strict. Never had a curfew in my life, (laughs) and all of a sudden, I'm getting a curfew from somebody who's not my mom, but I am 27. It's hilarious. We could tell tons of stories, but we're not going to. (laughs) But I will tell this one because it was so funny for me, right? Because oh no, I was parenting a teen who was a teen at the time too, right? Mm -hmm. When I put limits on that that teen, I would I would get treated like a normal teen would treat me, right? With anger and you know I I hate you and you know whatever normal teens do when you put limits on them. But with you, I I would put a limit on you and you would start crying and I thought, oh no, she's gonna hate me. And you would be like, thank you so much. I've never been this loved before. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I was just like, oh, this is so weird. (laughs) She actually knows it's because I love her. Like, (laughs) so it was, it was fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Joy, honestly, a joy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know anything you want to say from your perspective of of that year and what that was like for you being reparented. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, it was uncomfortable at times, but like Tony said, when she would say something, like I could tell, could sense that it was out of a place of love and um, just unconditional love even, um, not, not trying to limit who I am or change my freedom or change me, but really show me that, that there's, there's something else. <laughs> we can, we can say no to some things. (laughs) Um, and it's healthy to learn to say no. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think the piece where you were talking about, uh, my identity not being drawn out, I've done a lot of reflections just on that in general. Um, and it will probably be in my book, but the, I just wanted to clarify that the identity that was being drawn out on me was placed on me it was the the cookie cutter christian so i I should be like jesus and i should do all these things and it was riddled and filled 
with shoulds and coulds and be like Jesus, um, just all growing up. So in my, my formative years, instead of figuring out who I was or what my unique design was or what I'm even good at, I had a, a laundry list of items that I should do um, and that I should be like. Um, and those two years where I wasn't with Tony and I was on my own and alone, I had to really look and be like, what, <laughs> what do I like? Can I like things? Am I allowed to? <laughs> um, and then, you know, when I came back from maturity, I was like, I'm, I'm ready to like figure out who I am. Like, I want to, I want to know at 27 or 26, whatever it was. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That was, and they obviously helped me with that. You just dropped something in there too. You said your book. So yeah. why don't you, well, if there's anything else about <laughs> spiritual adoption before we transition to your book, anything else about spiritual adoption? I mean, it definitely felt like God leading on mm -hmm. my part. It took years. Um, I went on to talk to the family, obviously, especially, you know, after the first time you lived with us and the kids were all in, of course. Um, I think, you know, Allie's phrase was, well, I still get to be the firstborn. <laughs> so, of course, she is our firstborn um, and she still has all of her place in our hearts and family as um, the oldest child, even. Mm -hmm. and the firstborn. No, I'm not the oldest. I'm and you, yeah, and you were so you were very delicate with her those years, I remember, and not wanting to take her place or usurp her position in our family. And, you know, I know, you know, like all families, blended families, even it's not easy and it's not like it all just works out. I mean, it was, um, you were very tender and I just appreciated that with her. Um, you know, it took Matt a little longer too, my husband, but he came around pretty quickly, definitely before your second live-in stint. Oh, I think it was the second live-in stint that we actually had the the, the conversation he's like oh, I think I want to I think I want to call you my daughter I was like oh, I that yeah <laughs> so that that came a little later so we were you know very respectful of God's timing and each person's yeah. think process as well um with that but hands down no doubt now um we have all embraced you as family um and Louie as our son-in-law and are just delighted that God has brought you to us so we're we're deeply thankful anything else you want to say about that crazy process <laughs> yeah uh well it makes no sense to people now a lot of people are like wait are you like actually her daughter and then like really trying to to figure it out <laughs> and just say yes like yeah <laughs> there's there's no hesitation um in my mind whatsoever if I need something that I can't just call her um, or call Matt and Tony um, mm. at all. Well, thank you so much for talking today about this. I know it's a tender subject. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, I just think that spiritual adoption is important um, because I do believe Jesus, God orchestrates these relationships that are extremely important in our lives. Um, yeah and to say yes to them. So thank you so much. And thank I look you. forward to right before we go, I want to hear real quick, a little blurb about the book. <laughs> you mentioned the book. Tell us what I you're did, writing. I, I am writing a book about recovering from spiritual abuse and still having the option to believe in the divine. Um, I'm, I'm going to talk through three different stances that I noticed that I held in my life um, 
while processing. Uh, recovering from spiritual abuse is not a once and done thing. It's a continual process. And we're invited into these three stances almost daily. Mm. Wow. And you, you want to share what those three stances are with? Oh, you sure. want? Oh, good. Sure. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I'm not sold on, on what they are yet. So they might be different from when it's actually printed. Um, but recognizing, reflecting, and rebuilding. Wow. And then each of those has like tons of personal stories about spiritual abuse and recognizing it and mm. Mm. reflecting on it. Like, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to ignore and numb it? Or are you going to work through it now that you know what's up? And then rebuilding what, what rebuilding emotional healthy community looks like. Wow. Wow. That sounds super exciting. And once that book is published, it will be in the show notes. We will come <laughs> Um, but it might be um, a, a, about a year, maybe before it's on the on the show. Hopefully shelf. before. Hopefully before. Okay, great. Yeah. Before. Well, thank, thank you. you so much, Hillary. I look forward to having you back to talk about uh, how you have become more Jesus-led and joy-filled in this journey that you have shared with us. I can't wait to hear more about that. Um, as my uh, my warrior princess, you definitely have some things that we all can learn from. So I look forward mm -hmm. to talking to you just and uh, hopefully in the next podcast on that. Thanks a lot for being here. Thank you. See ya. Thank you for listening to this episode of Joy Fueled and Jesus Led. So much more can be said regarding spiritual adoption than what Hillary and I shared today. If this piques your interest, I encourage you to dive into the life model, living from the heart Jesus gave you for a more comprehensive discussion. The link to that book is in the show notes. Until next time.